Hey, pull out your message notes. I'm ready to dive into the message today. Uh, I want to start in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. We're going to read a lot of scripture at the beginning, and I'm going to tell you just a few of my thoughts this morning. If I were to title this message, I would call it In This Together. In This Together. Now, this is a passage that many of you have read a lot of times, especially if you've been around Christianity for a while. Uh, read a lot of this through Easter. It's a lot of the Easter story just before the crucifixion of Jesus. But there are some things that I want to pull out this morning that I really believe God is going to minister to us uh, as we get ready to hear His Word. But I want to just pray and ask God to bless it. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds. Lord, use me to articulate in Your way Your Word. Father, I pray that You would give us the ability to receive the Word in good soil. And Lord, that we would not just be hearers, but doers of your word. Let your anointing reside in this place to destroy the yoke of the enemy. In Jesus' name, and the church said. Now verse 26, let's dive in. It says, Then Jesus went with them to the garden called Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, Stay here while I go over there and pray. Taking Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he plunged into an agonizing sorrow. Then he said, this sorrow is crushing my life out. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Then going a little ahead, he fell on his face praying, my father, if there is any way to get me out of this, let it happen. But please, not what I want, what you want, and uh, do whatever it is that you want. When he came back to his disciples, he found them sound asleep. Everybody say sound asleep. He said to Peter, can't you stick it out with me a single hour? Stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. So what we see here is that Jesus goes to Peter and says, look, Peter, wake up. Peter, wake up. You're in danger and you don't even know that you've wandered into danger. You've been sleeping. And I wonder if we could just pause and remind ourselves that, look, we don't know everything. That in our lives, there are areas that if we're not careful, we will find ourselves sleeping in those areas, having wandered into danger, not even realizing it. And it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. Doesn't matter how long you've attended this church. It doesn't matter how much scripture you have memorized. Doesn't matter if you've gone to next steps or if you're in a small group. Doesn't even matter if you're serving on the dream team. We've got to be careful and be vigilant and watching because there is clear and present danger that is waiting to consume our life. It's lurking all around us. The devil's come to steal, kill, and to destroy and someone might say, look, that's, Pastor, that'll never happen to me. I'm all in. I, I gave my life to Christ and I'm all in. But what I want to remind us is you have the 12 disciples that saw more and experienced far more than many of us have ever experienced. The miracles, the signs, the wonders. They were with Jesus himself and they themselves fell asleep. Let's continue. It says, there is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God, but there's another part that's lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. So I find this interesting. There are two fighting, uh, raging wars inside. There's one that wants to do good and one that doesn't. There's the flesh and then there's the spirit. And on the inside of each and every one of us, the same could be said of us. For we, in ourselves, we want to go to small groups and we want to lead a small group. But how many know there's another side of you that says, I don't want to do it. I want to take a semester off. 
There's a side of us that says, I want to go to church. But then how many have ever had that other side that said, it sure would be nice to sleep in on a Sunday? There's a side of you that wants to engage in the vision that God has for your life and to serve on the dream team and be engaged. And then there's another side that says, I just want to pull up, walk in, and I want people to serve me. There's a side of you that wants to do something great for God, but if we're honest, if we're really to look on the inside of ourselves and be transparent, I wonder if there aren't days that there's a side of us that says, I'm ready to quit, I'm ready to throw in the towel. In fact, I'd rather go back to my old life with my old friends doing the old things. There's a war that is waged on the inside of each and every one of us. And he goes on, he says, then he left them a second time. Again, he prayed, my father, if there is no way other than this, drinking this cup to the dredge, I'm ready, do it your way. When he came back again, he found them sound asleep, simply could not keep their eyes open. This time he left them sleep on and went back a third time to pray, going over the same ground one last time. And when he came back the next time, he said, are you going to sleep on and make a night of it? My time is up. The Son of Man is about to be handed over to sinners. Let's get going. Let's get up. My betrayer is at hand. Is it possible that we could be like the disciples and we are dozing when we should be doing? Have we fallen asleep just like the disciples? See, you thought everything was good because you were next to Jesus. The disciples were next to Jesus, and yet they found themselves asleep in their life. See, it's, you, you think just because I go to church, I'm there on a Sunday, just because I sing songs, just because I go to a small group or go to the monthly serve day at the Dream Center, maybe I'm serving on the Dream Team. See, I'm next to Jesus, but the question is, can you be next to Jesus and still have fallen asleep. So you wouldn't have thought in this moment that the disciples would have fallen asleep in the very moment that Jesus really needed them. You know, you, you, you've been walking with Jesus. You've seen the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. And here you have a time where the Jesus just says, hey, can you pray with me? Can you do some battle? Not in the physical, but in the spiritual. So in other words, can you ride or die with me right now? And you would think reading this story, the disciples would have been like, Jesus, I got you. Like, I'm with you. Like, you need me to pray, I'm going to pray with you. But that's not what we see here in the story of the disciples. What we see is they have fallen asleep. And I know many of us don't even like to admit that it's possible, but I wonder if maybe we have fallen asleep in some of the areas of our lives. I wonder if some of us have fallen asleep in our marriage. You know, it's, it's, it's us dozing when we should be doing. It's, you, you know, we don't like to admit it because, you know, life has gotten a little bit busy. And for each and every one of us, we live in the same house. We share the same last name. We sleep in the same bed. But we become nothing more than business partners doing transactions. Didn't start off like that, but you know, we had one kid and two kids and three kids. We got a tribe of kids at the house, and now we become preoccupied. We started sleeping on our marriage because we're focused more on our kids. We've fallen asleep. I mean, how, how many have ever been somewhere, but you hadn't really been somewhere? 
Anybody? I, I had that happen this last weekend. I got a text on my phone, and then I had a, a meeting with one of our staff members. And, you know, they came in, sat in the office, and I was thinking about that text the entire meeting and thinking about how I was going to respond, what I was going to say, what I was going to do, and thinking about the calls that needed to be made immediately after the, the meeting. And it was interesting. By the time they left, I realized I didn't hear a word that person said. They could ask me for a million dollars. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Woo! I, I, didn't, I didn't hear anything. Why? Because I was there, but I wasn't really there. How many of you have ever driven home from work? You, you know what I'm talking about? And you, and you pass through red lights and stop signs, and you're speeding, and you're slowing, and you actually make it to your house, and you think about it, and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> kind of dangerous. Huh? We, we find ourselves sleeping in critical areas. How many of you ever found yourself sleeping with your kids? Uh, you, you know, you, on your kids. You know, have you ever had that moment where your child is talking, but you're not listening? You're riding in the car. And, the, and every family, you know how it is. You got that one kid that just, they just talk, talk, and you trade between mom and dad. And, and so they're talking, and then they said, Dad, did you hear me? And you say, yeah, I heard you. But you didn't hear a word they said. How many teenagers I got up in here, the moment your parents start talking, it's like, wah, 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 wah. They say something, but you ain't listening. You play an Xbox, you're thinking, you're texting, you're doing something. How, how many know you're there, but you're not really there? You ever had that happen with your spouse? Come on, men. Your wife is talking to you. She's asking you to do something. You ain't paying attention. You're like, sure, sure, sure. You could have agreed to anything. You don't even got a clue what you agreed to. She sees it and she's like, hey, are you listening to me? Like, yeah, I'm listening. What I say? You know what I said. I, I don't need to repeat what you said. You know what you said? Come on, have you ever had that happen? You know what you said, woman. I got you. Well, what did I say? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it possible that we're sleeping in our marriage? We've learned to go from point A to point B, but we don't remember how we got there. And here's the challenge right in your marriage. It can look great to everybody else. You got the Insta life. You, you're posting the Insta vacations, the nights out, all those other great events. But the truth is, in the minutia and the details of your life, you've fallen asleep. Come on, you know you've fallen asleep. You've been best friends when you got married. The best friend of your entire life used to dream together, used to have vision together, used to love to be with each other, but now you don't spend any time together. Why? Because you've fallen asleep. Man, you know what I'm talking about. You used to romance her and bring her flowers. You had all Shakespeare memorized. You had all your little lines, but you hadn't done that in a long time. You ain't got no more game. Why? Because you fell asleep. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You used to take care of yourself, fix your hair, put on your makeup. You used to wear something besides flannel PJs and yoga pants. Your husband ain't seen sexy in years. Come on, somebody. What's wrong? You've been sleeping on your marriage. Thought I'd get at least one amen, men. <laughs> so don't, don't be amen. It is Mother's Day. Say, baby, that's not you. That ain't you. That ain't you. You're talking about that other person. <laughs> Falling asleep on your kids. Falling asleep on your kids. You, you, it's so easy to do. See, the challenge is this. You remember the first child you had? Now, I got four of them now, but you remember the first one you prayed for. 
Didn't know if you'd get pregnant when you started trying. You've been praying, God, I got dreams that you put in my heart for this child. You spend time with you. You used to come home early from work to spend time with them. Now you're just a little overwhelmed because you don't have one, but you got four. And the one you used to have ain't a baby no more. They've grown up. they got an attitude. They're frustrated. They're mad. They smell funny. Don't spend any time. What's happened is we're sleeping on our kids. Why? Because we've gone into this survival mode in our life. And so where you were raising your child, now it's too much effort. We just go put them in front of the Xbox, the television, let their friends raise them. But the problem is we've fallen asleep on our kids. Tell them I love you, I'm here for you, but we ain't got a clue what they're facing. Don't have a clue the struggles the challenges at school, things we never faced, the the fact the peer pressure that they're experiencing, the anxiety, the fear, the suicidal thoughts, you ain't got a clue. Why? Because we fell asleep. Don't know what they're listening to. Don't know the friends they hang out with. Don't know what they're watching. Why? Because we fell asleep. We learned how to get from point A to point B on autopilot. We've fallen asleep. Maybe you've fallen asleep on your dreams. I remember I say your dreams. What what do you mean, pastor? The dreams God put in your heart, that dream to write a book, that dream to be a doctor, to be a politician, that dream to own your own business, that dream to raise that family, whatever it is that God placed in your life. The problem is you fell asleep and you started living someone else's expectation for your life instead of the God that created you and lived his dream for your life. You've fallen asleep. Falling asleep on being the church, we, we've gotten so accustomed to coming to church, we forgot to be the church. We're good at singing inside and shouting amen on the inside of these four walls, but it's difficult for us to take it outside of these four walls to the highways and the byways, into the neighborhoods, into the schools, into the, the streets in our community, into our office place. We've been sleeping on church. You never were called to go to church. You were called to be the church. And until we step up and minister the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, we will never reach our friends, our family, our co-workers, and our neighbors for Christ. It's happened. We've fallen asleep. Fallen asleep. And and just imagine Jesus saying, look, you can't. Uh, can't fall asleep, guys. You got to wake up. You got to wake up. And, and you can imagine Jesus telling him, listen, we all have limited time. That's the challenge, right? It, it's that your days are numbered. You're not going to be here forever. Listen, in your marriage, Phyllis and I, a couple of years ago, realized we had fallen asleep in some of the areas. And we said, look, we don't want to get old and gray, not having lived our life, loving each other passionately. Yes, we disagree. Yes, there's frustrations, but there's limited time in this marriage. How are you going to live your marriage out? See, when you got a covenant, you'll work it out. When there's no exit plan or strategy for you to go bye-bye, how many of you are like, well, i got to work it out? And I would take crazy I know over crazy I don't know every day. Come on, somebody. It's like, it's all right. Now, I'm not saying she's crazy. Well, a little bit, but that's all right. Everyone, you got crazy. The reality is this. You got limited time to have that relationship with your teenager, with your child. You got 18 years, somewhere around there, where God says to train up a child in the way that they go so that when they're old, they will not depart. The question is, are we training them up or have we fallen asleep? You got limited time to fulfill the call of God on your life. 
That dream God placed in your heart, there's an expiration date. You're not always going to have the strength in your body to do it. You're not always going to have the capacity in your mind to do it. You're not always going to have the resources to do it. And so you have to understand there's an expiration date on the things God placed inside of your life. So when is the time to step out and do that thing in your heart right now? Right now, don't wait till tomorrow. Why? Because there is limited time in your life. Look, there's limited time for us to reach the lost. Look, I love it. I want you to bring your friends and your family, and I'm excited to have people here who your family brought you here on Mother's Day. It's amazing. It's awesome. But if all we do is ask people to come and see what happened to the gospel that said go and tell, to get outside of these four walls, into your highways, into your byways, into your workplace, into your families, into your communities... That you got to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Otherwise, people are going to go to hell on our watch. I mean, imagine the disciples and, and in this. Had they known that this was the last time they would spend with Jesus, how many know they would have lived just a little bit differently? Can you imagine if they'd have known that this was the last moment they see Jesus before he's crucified? How many know they'd have stayed awake all night? If they had to pinch themselves, they didn't care. It doesn't matter. If they got to go drink a bang, it don't matter. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this body moving forward with purpose because my Savior's about to go. And I wonder for us at the church, what if you knew that the last time the checker at Kroger's would have chance to receive Jesus is that moment you're in line with them. Because the moment they leave work, they're going to commit suicide. What would you do? What about that couple that, you know, you've been busy, life stuff. They've been calling. Hey, can you spend some time with us? They got the Instagram marriage. I mean, everything looks perfect. You're like, man, I envy their marriage. But the truth is their marriage is falling apart, crumbling from within. They've reached out. You've been busy. But what if you knew this was the last time they would have someone speak into their marriage before they signed the divorce papers? How would you respond? What would you do? What about the girl that's about to go and have an abortion, doesn't know that anybody cares for her, loves her, she feels hopeless, she doesn't know the difference between right and wrong in this moment, she feels like she doesn't have a support system, and you know that this is the one moment that you can speak into that situation. Tell me, would it change the way you respond? What about that person that's about to take drugs and, and they don't know it, but this is the overdose that's going to kill them and they come into contact with you and God says, why don't you minister to them? But, 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 but you think, well, I'm busy. But if you knew this was the last moment, what would you do? I wonder how much we could accomplish as the church if we lived every moment like it's the last moment. That this is my moment. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in this moment and do what you've called me to do. I mean, and then you look at Jesus. What, what he's really saying is, Peter, sons of Zebedee, are you guys in this? Like, are you really in this? Because think about this. They had seen miracles, signs, and wonders. So, so Peter, are you in this for the fish fry? Are you in this for the miracles that you've said? Are you in this for the notoriety? Are you in this for the fame? Or Peter, are you really in this thing? Because what I'm asking you to do, you're not going to get any credit for. 
You're not going to have someone post on Instagram about how amazing you just preached or how amazing what you did touched their life. What I'm asking you to do, nobody may ever see. Nobody may ever know. You may not get credit. You may not get any notoriety. Nothing may happen except the will of God. Are you really in this? I mean, can you just imagine? And here's a challenge even in church. And I love, I love church. And, but sometimes it's like, hey, I, I, I'm only going to do this if I can post it on Instagram. I'm only going to do it if I can talk about it. I'm only going to do it if it up elevates my status. Will pastors see? Will that leader see? Will people acknowledge my sacrifice? Listen, it doesn't matter if nobody sees it. If nobody acknowledges your sacrifice, God sees it. And that's all that matters. Peter, are you really in this? Are you really in this to build a name and a reputation? Are you in this to win the lost? Are you in this to advance my kingdom? I mean, Peter, are you really in this? And listen, your this is never a one-man show. you got to know that. When he talks about your, your life, you were never intended to do life alone. I love in this moment, if you think about it, here's Jesus. He knows it's his last moment here on this earth. And what does he do? He doesn't isolate himself by himself to go and pray with his dad, which he had done many times before. He takes his friends, his closest friends, and he says, look, I want to invite you on this journey. I'm going to a place. I've got to pray to my dad, but I want you to come and spend some time with him. What's he doing? He's recruiting a team for the moment. And the challenge in people's life is you come to church and it's awesome. I'm thrilled to be your pastor. I love the fact that you come to Anchor Bend, but this is just one of many steps in your spiritual journey. If all you do is come to church on Sundays, I promise you, you'll get to the end of your life having failed the assignment because your assignment is too big for just you. God calls us to live in a team. God calls us to live in a tribe that it always takes a we. It takes an us gathering together, doing what God's called us to do. And the challenge is sometimes you come to church, you're like, I've been hurt at that church. I've been hurt by that Christian, and I know it. And there are people that are malicious and people that are not. We just experience pain because we're in a fallen world. Here's a question. You get a bad haircut, are you going to stop getting a haircut? Come on, how many know I still need a haircut? What do you do? You find another barber. If someone hurts you, you don't leave that church. And that's the challenge. You left the place God had you planted. You just got to put up some nice boundaries with that person. But there are plenty of people in this church that you can build a relationship with, that you can partner with, that you can say, hey, let's do life together. And that's the challenge. The enemy wants you to get hurt and leave because of one person. Listen, there's over a thousand other people. You're telling me you can't find anybody else. But you leave the place you're supposed to be planted now because the enemy's trying to isolate you. It's going to require a team. It's going to require you. And that's what I love about our small groups. We talk about them all the time. They're launching June 2nd. And, and the amazing part of it is you're finding a tribe of people. Maybe you've fallen asleep in your marriage. Great, go find a marriage small group. Maybe you've fallen asleep in your family. Go find a family small group. Maybe you've fallen asleep as a man. That's okay, we got great men's small group. But you get around men that said, look, I gotta be honest, I've fallen asleep. Can you help me wake up? I don't wanna live life sleepwalking through it. God wants us to have a team. I love Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other reaches out and helps. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble, and that's why the enemy wants to isolate you. It's not good enough just to come to church. You've got to find a tribe. 
Likewise, two people lying close together can stay warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand, everybody say back to back. They're going to stand back to back and they're going to conquer. And three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Here's something that I've learned over the years. It's one thing to be in this. It's another thing to be in this together. But it's one thing to be in this. It's another thing to be in this together. In your marriage, it's one thing to be in your marriage. It's another thing to be in your marriage together. It's one thing to be in your family, but it's another thing to be in your family together. It's one thing to be in the church. It's another thing to be in the church together. And what I've learned is together doesn't fight against one another. Together fights for one another. See, the enemy doesn't care if you fight as long as you're not fighting for the right thing. He don't mind you expending energy. He don't mind you fighting each other. Just don't fight for the right thing because you're actually doing his work when you fight for the wrong thing. I've realized in my marriage, you know, I've been married now for 19 amazing years. This next year will be 20 years. Pretty exciting. That the enemy doesn't mind Phyllis and I fighting. He just doesn't want us to fight for each other. Phyllis, bring up those those swords. I'm going to move this too. I'm going to show you an illustration. I want to propose that some of you are fighting... You saw, you saw, I'm quick on it. But you're fighting for the wrong thing. And you're fighting in the wrong direction because, so, so here's how it is. This is, this is what it's, it's like in, in your marriage. And look, every one of you are armed for battle. Every one of you, God's given weapons, but it's not intended to fight each other. It's to fight for each other. But here's what it looks like many times in your marriage. Look, I come home, you ain't got no supper ready for me. How come it ain't hot and ready, baby? Uh. She's like, you can do all kinds of things for the church, but why don't you do nothing for me here at the house? Uh. How come every time we go to bed, you're tired and got a migraine? I'm tired. I don't know if I even like you anymore. What are we doing? We're just, we're just fighting against each other. This is what it sounds like in our families. Son, you're lazy. Woo, boy, girl, you got to slow down. She tried to kill me. Y'all saw that? I don't understand what's your problem. I don't understand why you got an attitude, son. You ought to be grateful to be living in this house under this roof with this money. Go find yourself a J-O-B. I don't know why you want to have a mohawk. That's stupid. Why you want them skinny jeans with those Jordans? All it is is your material life, son. I don't understand you. Think about this in church. This is what we're doing. So, So we got our weapons. You preach too long. You preach too short. Your worship is too long. Your worship is too short. There ain't no spirit in your church. Oh, you you don't speak in tongues? We do. Oh, no, we don't have banners. You got banners? Banners are so 90s. 
oh yeah, you exposit the word, we preach topical. I'm so tired of the church taking pot shots and cheap shots at the church. Look, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing how the devil, see the problem is we think the devil is destroying the church. The devil didn't even have to step into the battle. He's letting you destroy what God's trying to build. And we're like, devil, what's going on? No, no, it's us. Fight, fight it. Like, like we have people just, I have people tell me all the time, pastor, you ain't deep enough. Oh, they really ain't my pastor. They just knocking on me. Get on the face. You didn't share enough scripture. I counted. I had 27 passages of scripture. How much scripture would you like me to preach? Come on, somebody. It's just these pot shots. I, I once had a guy write a blog on Facebook. There was a whole Facebook page. Don't go try to look for it. Bunch of heathens. He said, Jim Kyles is a fraud. He was a Christian. Knew who he was. Taking cheap shots at the church. And so we wonder why we're not effective. And, and here's the reality. It's not just people outside. It's people sitting in here. Listen, it doesn't matter what other churches are doing. We serve the same God. We serve the same Lord. So this is what we got to do. Come here, Phyllis. Brothers fight back to back. So imagine this. If we're fighting like this, you want to have a long service? Have a long service. I'm fighting the devil on this side. You want to have long worship? Have long worship. You don't speak in tongues? We're going to speak in tongues? I don't care. You expose it? You go verse by verse? I don't care. And then what happens is we advance the kingdom of God. Why? Because we're fighting in the right direction. We're fighting the right enemy. Look, your marriage, why don't we just keep our mouths shut and say, baby, you're tired? Okay, I'll help you with the kids. I'm sorry you're frustrated with me. I didn't mean to frustrate you. I love you. How can I serve you? You got a migraine? Here's some aspirin. Take a nap. You're good, baby. I love you. It's all good. I don't mind. You had a hard day. <laughs> right? Here's kids. Son, you want a mohawk? Awesome. You're going to rock that mohawk. That hair doesn't define you. Your heart defines you. You want skinny jeans? That's awesome. Doesn't matter to me. You want some J's? Baby, you're worth some J's. Just know those J's don't define you. The God inside of you defines you. And son, I love you. I trust you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to protect you. Thank you. Why? Because we're not just in this. We're in this. So we got to guard our hearts. Look, don't, don't ever, ever defend me on social media. Don't ever take cheap shots at other churches. I saw just the other day, someone was standing outside of a church protesting that church and they're Christians. I'm like, we got a devil to fight. Like, can we not? Like, if you don't like the church, don't go to the stinking church. But my God, can we just say we're on the same team? And I may not agree with everything, but I know this. I'm probably wrong on a lot of things that I'm willing to die for. All I got to know is that Jesus, you saved me. And I'm going to do everything I can to save the lost, to help those that have no hope, have hope in Jesus. And our marriages. See, the enemy wants to lie. And, and I love there's a story in Luke where Jesus, 
is walking down the road and there's a ruler that comes and says, Jesus, my daughter is sick. It's found, it's found in Luke 8.48. And it's an interesting story. Right when he's talking to Jesus, the servant comes up and says, no, don't bother the master. Your daughter is dead. And Jesus says, listen, she's not dead. She's sleeping. You know, in other words, have faith gets to the place, and clearly she's dead. He runs everybody out, and he says, no, your daughter's not dead. She's sleeping. He speaks to her, daughter, arise. Wake up. Here's what I know. The devil's tried to kill your marriage, tried to kill your family, declared that the thing that God wants to do, that dream in your life is dead. But I want to declare this. That thing is not dead. It's been sleeping. And God is here this morning to resurrect that part of your life. And this morning, I wonder, you know, we're going to go into a ministry moment. But if you're here and you feel like I've fallen asleep, I'm not going to ask you to come down, but I do. I'm going to ask you to stand up just right now, right, right all across. You've fallen asleep. Maybe it's your marriage, your kids, your dreams, church. Your, I, I don't know what it is, but God has spoken something to you. I want to pray over you right now. Just stand up. I don't care if it's two people, five people, ten people. I'm going to pray that God would resurrect that area in your life. And that what has been declared dead is only sleeping. And the master's here to resurrect it. Father, I pray over every person that's standing in this place. God, move in their hearts. God, I pray just as you have been speaking to me. Lord, the areas that I fell asleep in my marriage. With my kids. God, even in some dreams. Would you resurrect it? Those places that the enemy said would never happen in our life. God, that the restoration that only you can do. Let a miracle take place. God, I'm asking even this week, let there be an alignment in their life. God, that there will not be this hard, arduous process. But God, I'm asking you for a sweatless victory. God, that as they step out, they step out in your grace. They step out in your power. They step out in your will. God, in your presence, in all that you are doing. God, I'm asking you, do what only you can do. Father, I command in Jesus' name those dead areas to be resurrected back to life. God, we thank you for this. We worship you, God. We praise you, God. We magnify you.